Khalashing for Khalas? Want to bry or fine dine? Stay tuned to High FM on 101.9. Join Adrian Bagatti for SN Fresen Tuesday mornings from 11 a.m. where it's all about the food. Welcome to the SN Fresen show. I'm Sharon Lurie, the kosher butcher's wife, and I'm coming to you live from the High FM studio. A little cold. Wasn't the snow wonderful yesterday? Some people say it's sleet. Some people said it was a flurry. By me, it was a snow. This show is dedicated to Chaim Sholem Ben Rivka Chaya, that he may have an immediate and complete recovery and start craving curry soon. So this weather has certainly inspired me to get those spices out, to create a lovely meaty lamb curry. And uh, it's just so wonderful to try new cuisines and to open your taste buds to new flavors. And this week, it's Indian food. And Indian food is commonly known for its super savory and fragrant spices, low and slow cooking techniques, and delicious accompaniments such as roti, chutneys, sambals, rice, which I must admit I have to uh, always battle with, trying to avoid a lump of stodge. But I'm, I'm getting it right. I'm baking it in the oven now. <laughs> and um, it's true that most Indian food has a lovely kick, but it's the flavor combinations that you should be trying to work with. And this is something that I learned this week. Rather than challenging yourself to the heat or the, that spicy chili kick that leaves us taste buds destroyed, but egos bursting with pride. So being a meat eater, a Rogan Josh, which originated in Kashmir in the north, was one of the ones that I was going to try. So I found a wonderful recipe and a, a book published, oh, I think, over 50 years ago. Um, but I'm going to come back with a little hiccup that I had after the break. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. So back to our Ma Rogan Josh that uh, I had a little bit of a hiccup with. So going through the Indian uh, the ingredient list, I knew I had all the spices in my cupboard, felt quite confident until I saw that dreaded word yogurt. I don't know if you. You find that you read through the recipe and all of a sudden, yogurt. So obviously we can't have yogurt with meat and, and, uh, I quickly pressed on, I have kosher desk on speed dial and I contacted them and I said, okay, help. I remember a while back there was, um, a pair of yogurt at Woolworths, but I don't think, I don't see it around anymore. And, uh, they most certainly did help me. They put me in touch with two companies, one being Urban Vegan, and thank God, there lay the answer to all my problems, a vegan version of yogurt in the form of a cashew and coconut yogurt. So those with the nut allergy can use the coconut yogurt. And their vegan yogurt worked like a bomb. In fact, I can't wait to try all their other products, their cream cheese, pair of yogurts, all locally made. What a win. We don't have to pay all those hellishly high prices for pair of cheeses, etc. And the final test, of course, 
was from my family, the Lurie jury, who actually gave me a double thumbs up on this Rogan Josh recipe. And uh, so the Rogan Josh was, oh my gosh, thumbs up. So if curry ain't right, then you may have ruined the perfect curry night. So get it right. Coming up now, I'll be sharing, well, after this interview, I'll be sharing my Rogan Josh recipe. But I have a very special guest, Esther David. Esther is an award-winning author, and I'll be talking to her about her latest book, B'nai Appetit, The Cuisine of the Indian Jews. The Jewish community in India uh, comprises a tiny but important part of the population. There are around 4,000 Jews and five Jewish communities in India. The B'nai Israel community, of which Esther is a member, the Kochi Jews of Kerala, the Baghdadi Jews of Kolkata, the Ben Ephraim and Ben Menashe Jews uh, of Manipur and Mizoram, but they are fast diminishing in number. Hence, in the face of a rapidly fading collective memory of the Indian cuisine, Esther decided it was time to travel across the country to record the traditions of the five Jewish communities where she reiterates how food is memory, food is culture, and foods bond families and communities. I know that you are a prolific writer, that you've written many books. Yes. But what inspires you to write B'nai Appetit? Which I love, okay. I love the play on words, I must say, of those, of that, of the name of yes. your book. What inspired you? Yes. Uh, can you hear me clearly? It's okay, right? I can hear you beautifully. Okay. So the whole thing started like this, that basically I don't come, uh, from a, what you call, religious family. Yes. Uh, I did not receive uh, religious education. I took it myself, uh, studied when I was almost 46, 47. So it's a little complicated to talk about this issue, but I can tell you that at some point I was so confused uh, about being a Jew. And I, I mean, the family had told me that I'm a Jew and just being reminded all the time, but uh, we were not, I was not given that sort of uh, religious education like most of my community members. So I was a little lost. But I think when I was 40, 45 or something, I thought that I needed it. And uh, I needed to understand my name and who I was. And I was going through a period of conflict. So that is how I started writing about Jewish life. So my first book was The Wall City. And... Uh, while I was writing The Wall City, so about three generations of Jewish women, and uh, I, I sort of had switched careers, you know, from artist to art historian to literature. So yeah, I didn't know how it was going to work, but it worked very well. And uh, all from all over the world, actually, it was very interesting that mostly women related to all that I had written about, you know. Yes. So that became the beginning of, um, till then, very little was known about Indian Jews or Indian Jewish writers or artists. 
because it was uh, sort of assumed that uh, books on Jewish life were written in Europe or America and things like that. So nobody <laughs> expected that uh, suddenly a book on Indian Jews would arrive. And uh, so that was... I did not consider myself to be a cookbook writer. <laughs> I used to read a lot of cookbooks, but... And I'm not a great cook either, you know. Now yes. I am a little better. <laughs> so, at that point there was not. So I said, I'll let me not go too much into that area. Uh, because one has to uh, work properly and understand. And, and in context to the rest of the women of my family, I was on the lowest rung, you know. So I said, I better not try too much. It's okay, as much as I know. And uh, this kept on leading from one point to the other till I got so involved in the, I may not be directly cooking, but every time there was a festival or every time uh, they were cooking at the synagogue or if I was in Alibab or my cousin in Bombay and I would say, but this is totally what my grandmother was doing, you know. And at some point I myself came back to Ahmedabad and I cooked something which was a green masala curry, chicken. And the whole house was fragrant as it used to be with my grandmother, mother, aunts, cousins, everybody. And I said, okay, this is not a bad beginning. <laughs> so in one of my books, I started each chapter with a recipe about Jewish recipes, which I started collecting. Not seriously, so, but I had started collecting. And it interested me that how is urban Jewish cooking different from what our grandmothers used to make? And today in urban India, it's very multi-cuisine, you know. So I thought, let me try uh, to see how and what they do. So that's how I got totally involved. And the Hazan's wife is our caterer. So she gave me a lot of inputs. And that is how I think I started. But... The turning point came when uh, my books, like the book of uh, the World City, was translated into French and I was in France. My daughter lives there. And uh, so her family, she is married uh, to a French uh, Jew there. And uh, her family does have very elaborate, you know, uh, East European cooking. Yeah. So... Everybody was very curious to know as to what do you do? Now, I was a little confused, I except I said, I knew and I didn't know. Okay. And, but still I was being brave and I started remembering all that I knew and I told them. But on one Yom Kippur, <clears throat> we break our fast in India with a black currant sherbet. So I made it. Eventually, when the book launch took place, uh, everybody said that let's uh, collect at one very big uh, place, uh, like a big, big, big house of some of the publishers, and let's cook an Indian meal as a launch for the book. So that is how uh, my translator, she helped me. She was She's also Jewish, yes. and uh, she's sort of French translator. So we... <clears throat> I made fish curry and rice <laughs> and served it 
with uh, sherbat and uh, fruit because uh, i i sort of believe that the dietary law is very important so at that point everybody wanted to know how what indian juice how do they cook and what do they do and what do they do for this festival and what do they so that's how the whole thing uh, sort of materialized fully in my head when i came back i said maybe i need to do something and by then uh, i was uh, in touch with hadasa brandeis because i couldn't have possibly done this on my own you know this whole journey Hashtag you don't have to be Jewish. Well, let's return to Esther David, who will share some of her curry recipes and a few more tidbits that she has learned from all the five different communities that she involved herself with. It was extremely dangerous of Iran, as you know, vast country, and. these five centers are in different places so i wrote to hadasa brandeis and they accepted they liked my project and that is how now the bani part that you asked me about like most of us are known as bani israel bani ephraim bani menash you know things like that right so the only two different are cochin jews and baghdadi jews but otherwise we are known as children of children of like children of israel, israel. children yeah. of ephraim children of menash so i said and because of my french connection uh, i twisted it from bene bonne petite to bonne petite very clever ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, and your listeners also that most indian jews are vegetarian uh-huh. because it is very difficult to find kosher meat uh, always Right. Only when there is a big order and everybody orders and uh, the shohet or whoever any elder from the we have very simple fluid rules you know any elder can read the prayers any elder can be a shohet only mohel we have only one in Bombay that's all uh-huh. that's the only thing uh-huh. but shohet anybody can learn and do so. Every festival time only we become non-vegetarian. So otherwise we are largely vegetarian, unless somebody does does it himself or things like that. So uh, this is the uh, this is the main problem about like the dietary law. We since we have come to India, we some of us lost our books, some of us had our books, but. the then during the british raj we received religious education so uh indian jews have been following all the rules all the festivities all the laws and the basic is the dietary law without the dietary law each uh, jewish house make sure that they have a dietary law and separate vessels for milk and meat and We, another very interesting thing about India is that, as you know, it's a dairy-based food you get in India, right? Right. Everything from sweets to everything is made with dairy, milk-based food. Right. So it became a big challenge for our elders as to how do we now sort of solve this problem. 
because anybody would be attracted to indian dairy based foods anybody it's so attractive so they decided this is long long back i think around 2000 years back the elders were very uh, what do you call they had foresight you know yes and uh, they decided that coconut milk is a very good substitute mhm it is for dairy so they started using coconut milk and almost everything we make is made with coconut milk right so coconut milk became the elixir you know this thing is sort of like uh the base of our indian jewish food and that is an important point uh whether we are cooking meat dishes or we are making our typical uh, jewish sweets are different from indian sweets Mm-hmm. these are also made with coconut milk so coconut milk was one uh, sort of saving factor in the kosher uh, this thing following the kosher law right and now shall not uh, mix the lamb and its father's milk so right what you do is use coconut milk <laughs> i love coconut milk i use it in all, all my curries yes. Yeah and and if you look uh, there's also been they also use a lot of semolina like i find find a lot of uh, continuities you know yes. if semolina cake is made in india it's also made abroad if flat beans are made in india they're also made abroad so there's a lot of uh, but that's how i studied this yes that i was i had already seen abroad what was being done and then in india i started following the same method that what do we do for this what do we do for that right and i see that is how i discovered like for for hanuka yes. you need fried things so what better than samosa <laughs> <laughs> well i want to tell you i've been watching a lot of um programs on television on youtube about the you know indian yes. food and i've been watching street programs yes they love their yes. oil <laughs> <laughs> yes, so samosa. What is better than samosa? Hanuka, <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. Well, yeah, you see, certainly have got all. Mm-hmm. Perfect. <laughs> so we don't really make latkes, you know. We make yes. samosas, and because uh, we don't, uh, it is very interesting. Two things is uh, we uh, because wine is not kosher in India, right? Right. Right. Wine, wine. Wine, yes. So. we can't find so and it's not done now some kawad houses are setting up some centers but uh, i don't know too much about it but what we, we we don't trust it whatever comes also we distribute it but basically you know it's very difficult to be a indian jewish woman because we have to make everything ourselves nothing is available off the rack like say wine we make our own wine with yes. black currant uh, black currants Right. I've actually got the recipe yeah. from your book and I'm going to share it with with everybody. Your special Shabbat. And, and uh, for you wanted to know also about Shabbat so you let yeah. ask me. Okay. So what would be a typical uh family's Shabbat? How would they sit down to a, a meal and what would you what would be served? Yes so uh, basically it is one one festival which all over india the jews celebrate 
But as I told you, it's a secret life. I like to call it a secret life. On Friday evening, we don't really encourage people. Uh, I mean, it's only Jews, the family, yes. Jewish families. No outsiders, basically. We, we just keep to ourselves because we are never sure how people will react. You know, so that is the time. Uh, the the table is prepared the way like everywhere in the world, very beautifully, and two candles are lit, and uh, the woman of the house, everybody covers their head, and it's in my drawings. Uh, yes, she says the blesses the house, and uh, after that, uh, very interest. You will find this very interesting that uh, the kiddush. Is said with sherbet, not wine. Okay. Kiddush. Right. Okay. The kiddush. Yes. Is kiddush. Yes. Is yes. with current black current sherbet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And uh, that's freshly made, so it's a lot of work, you know. And yeah. then for the bread, hamotzi. Yes. Uh, we we for years. Challah bread was only available in Calcutta, a Jewish bakery, where uh, one had to order in advance, and because there was a large number of Jews there, and they used to make challah bread. Then there was no challah bread, so we used to buy white uh, loaf of bread from a bakery, right? Mm-hmm. But then our women were not satisfied. They said it's not it's not correct. So they started making chapati. You know chapati, I'm sure. Yes, I do. Chapati, flat bread. Flat bread. Flat uh-huh. bread. Mm-hmm. So they started making flat bread. As you say, even uh, white bread from the bakery will not do. We have to. We have to do ourselves. So they started making chapati, sprinkling it with salt, and distributing it to the after the prayers in the same way that you do. We do the same way, mm-hmm. and. Then there is a sumptuous amount of food, and there's a lot of singing. All the prayers are said, and then mostly it's a, a lot of uh, festive food, all sorts of things because it has to last till next day, till right. Saturday. Right. So food is prepared, uh, and now we have refrigerators. Earlier there was not; I don't know what they did, but. Um, Also, we make according to weather. Like it's mostly chicken-based, or it could be dal and rice and some vegetables. But the dessert is always fruit. I'm I'm running to the end of my time now, but there's just one little question that I wanted to ask you, and that is. What are the essential ingredients to a really good curry? Like, if, if I had to come to your is house, is this the last question? This is, is my, this the last question? Yes, unfortunately. Because I have one little thing to tell you that yes. the Benisal Jews of Western India they believe in Prophet Elijah, and as a wish fulfillment offering to him, we do a malida, that is a platter. With uh, uh, pressed rice, fruits, mm-hmm. and uh, a pomegranate, rose petals, and that uh, pressed rice is made with coconut, grated coconut and sugar, and it is an offering. We start everything 
with bananas, apples, and pressed rice. It's so offering to Prophet Elijah. Is Because this Bani Israel Jews yeah. believe in Prophet Elijah? Okay, is this on pay on Pesach? No, no, no. Any time there mm -hmm. is a wish fulfillment, it can be any time during the year. Uh -huh. Wish fulfillment. Your wish is fulfilled. Yes. For anything, you passed an exam. You were not well. You got well. All that you have a wish fulfillment. Uh huh. Ah, that is fascinating. So we have an offering. Yes. As a malida, it's called a malida. It's an offering to Prophet Elijah because we believe that he arrived in Alibag area and there is a mark in the rock of his wheel of the chariot. Uh huh. So I think the Indian elders thought that in the same way they discovered coconut to keep the Jews in the fold, they created the cult of Prophet Elijah. Uh huh. That is in, very interesting. You know, you have to keep everybody in the fold. You know. Yes. Yeah. So ask me. So I'm, I'm going to ask you. What is this essential? What would you say? Really, what ingredients make a good curry other than chili? Okay. <laughs> okay, okay. I'll tell you. When I was abroad, I was very shocked one day when my host uh, she said, uh, "Here's your curry," and she gave me a bottle, and it was. Uh, Some yellow powder, you know, things. And I said, no, this is not curry. You have to make curry. So she said, okay, show me how to make curry. So normally, what you need is a good amount of uh, grated uh, coconut. Array, sorry, onions. Onions. Yes. yes. You need a lot of onions. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, you uh, sort of uh, heat up oil in a casserole and brown them. Okay, right. then you lower the flame, yeah. and you add a tablespoon or one and a half tablespoon of ginger garlic paste. Okay, right. And you mix it very well, and then you add water and let it cook for a while, simmer, and then you add uh, whatever you want to add. Tomatoes are a must right. to make a good curry. Yes, tomatoes. Uh -huh. But if you want uh, the tomatoes, is a tendency that uh, the food doesn't cook very quickly. So uh, you, I put, we put co uh, tomatoes a little later. Tomatoes and coconut milk we put at the almost at the end. So then you put whatever you want to make and then add salt, turmeric powder, cumin powder, coriander powder, red chili powder. And if you like to make a garam masala with uh, whole spices, you can uh, one fourth half a teaspoon, and you put chicken or vegetables or whatever, and let it boil very well. When it's almost done, but there should be water, you put it on slow and add tomatoes. Let it cook, and you can. If you're not adding tomatoes, you can add coconut milk. Simple, but. You have to garnish it with coriander leaves. Right. Yes. That sounds. And, and that we have with rice or chapatis or bread yeah. or whatever. Okay. But it should have a good thick body. Yes. What? Thick. There should be. It should boil for very long on a slow fire. Right. Low, low and slow. Cereal curry. <laughs> <laughs> 
sounds delicious. And we can serve it with all sorts of different chutneys, right? What is your favorite chutney? Chutneys, yes. My chutney is green mango chutney. Yes. Is uh, uh, something I process. Uh, now is the time we are still getting green mangoes and ripe mangoes now it's raining so it's over. But green mangoes, you uh, peel them, cut them into small pieces. Yes. You add green chilies, coriander, mint, few mint pieces, lots of uh, grated coconut, salt, and uh, you just uh, process it with a little water and you have your chutney. Oh, delicious. <laughs> Even if you don't put green uh, mangoes, it's okay. Right. It's a green, beautiful chutney. And you, or you can do another thing with tomatoes. Yeah. You don't have to cook the mango. Oh. No, 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 not at all. No. Okay. Well, that it's sounds. Raw. I cannot it's put raw, and it tastes. And but you have to put a little sugar. Okay. Salt, because it's a little tangy. You know? Yes. Yes. So you have to add a little sugar, sweetener. Uh -huh. Right. And uh, it's done. But you have to add a little green chili. <laughs> okay. chili powder. You see, the simple thing, it is like that in yes. India. That onions, tomatoes, or coconut milk, um, ginger garlic paste, uh, turmeric powder, red chili powder, kuma powder, coriander powder, and fresh coriander leaves. And there, you, whatever you're making is ready. Well, I can't wait to go into my you kitchen. Add whatever you like. You can add whatever you like. Okay. Add chicken, you add vegetables, you add anything. Well, it's been wonderful talking to you, Esther. I, I, you've opened my eyes to a, a world of, a culinary world I never realized existed. And thank you yes. so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being on our show. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. So when I told a friend that I was actually doing this interview, she said, are there any Jewish people left in India, still in, in India? And I thought it was, I thought it was only the Israelis going after the army to uh, chill out. So this was fascinating, this, this um, interview. Obviously it was a lot longer, um, but we unfortunately had to cut some of it out. But it is such a fascinating book. And it is available on Amazon, and it's called B'nai Appetit. And um, try and get it. It's really worth reading. So I have a message from Mark who says, "Can where can I get the Parav yogurt? And I believe you can get it at Thrupp's and at Kosher World. Those are the only two I know. Um, <clears throat> and now... To share my Rogan Josh recipe with you. So I took a kilo of stewing lamb on the bone. Then you have to marinate it overnight with the following. Two teaspoons of salt. I put all of this into a bowl. Okay. Two teaspoons of salt. Two cups of either the cashew or coconut yogurt. One and a half tablespoons of fennel seeds, one teaspoon black pepper, one heaped tablespoon of paprika, two teaspoons of cumin powder, and one teaspoon of ground cinnamon. And then I mix it all together, 
poured it over the lamb and gave the lamb a nice massage and really got into every single surface of the lamb. And then I put that into a large Ziploc or you can put, leave it in a nice glass bowl, cover it with um, plastic and leave it in the fridge for, well, overnight. The next day you fry four, chop up four large onions. Now you heard what um, Esther David said. She said it's the onions that really give it that amazing flavor. So you need to fry the onions. Well, let's go through the ingredients first. It's four really large onions, chopped, because onions do shrink a lot, half a cup of oil, half a cup of grated ginger, and I would grate it on the large side of the of the grater. Sorry, it's a quarter cup of grated ginger. Grate it on the large side of your grater, of your box grater, Four large cloves of garlic peeled, two bird's eye chili chilies. That those are the really hot ones, the small ones. You can put three, but try with two first, and two cups of water. Now I must admit I put in three because my family love hot curry. And one cup of tomato puree. I made it with them. Uh, chopped up onions, uh, chopped up tomatoes, fresh tomatoes, like really red ones. Um, but because it really needs to have a smooth paste and not be sort of a chunky veg, uh, chunky sauce, I went the second time with a cup of tomato puree. And that, then I didn't have to pick out all the skins and the pips and everything from the fresh tomatoes. So what we did was we marinate the lamb in the salt yogurt, fennel seeds, black peppers, paprika, and cinnamon overnight. The next day, fry the onions in a heavy based saucepan, one that is large enough to house the lamb. And then in a liquidizer, I blend the, the ginger, the grated ginger, garlic, chilies, all with the water, the two cups of water. Add the tomato puree to that, one teaspoon of sugar. I'd like, just like to add a little teaspoon of sugar to take that sharpness off the tomato puree. And you add that to the onion mix. You bring that all to the boil, then reduce the heat to a simmer for about five minutes. And then you remove the sauce from the heat and set it aside in a bowl. Now in the same pan or the same pot that you were frying the tomato gravy in, uh, fry the marinated lamb in batches. Now, you don't, don't take the marinade off. Just fry it with the yogurt. It will thicken up. It will sort of thin out a little bit, the, the yogurt. And you just fry it for a little bit till it's, well, if you can get it brown on each side, um, on quite high heat. And then remove it and fry the next batch. And then place, because you actually don't want too much lamb in the, the pan because otherwise you'll be boiling it. You want to try, you want to try and get a little bit of brown on the meat. And then in the same pot, you, you fried the lamb, you put the sauce back over it and you simmer it on low heat, low and slow, 
for about two hours. You can put it in a crock pot at that, that point and cook it on high for about three to four hours. What you want is that lamb literally almost falling off the bone. So that's the ingredient, that's the recipe for my uh, Rogan Josh, as I said, which got the thumbs up. And um, the next recipe, I don't know if you could hear um, nicely, but um, on Shabbat and for all the Yom Tevim, it's difficult for the Indian Jews to get uh, wine, kosher wine. So they decided to make their own wine. And what they did was um, that you take 500 grams of dried black seedless grapes. So it's almost, uh, it's the same as a, a raisin, I would say. Okay. Um, I think she also said that they used blackberries. And then you take one liter of water and just add a bit of sugar to taste. And you wash the dried black seedless grapes in a colander until they're clean. And then you soak them in a bowl of water from early morning to late afternoon, about seven to nine hours. And then you process in a mixer and then you strain it through thin muslin cloth or fine mesh strainer and you bottle it and refrigerate it. And then uh, at sunset, the sherbet, as they call it, sherbet, is poured into a goblet for the Kiddush, for Kiddush. And um, the person who says the Kiddush sips the sherbet from the goblet and passes it to a family uh, or friends. And sometimes they use sh smaller shot glasses. I prefer to use smaller shot glasses because you never know. <laughs> germs um, and the sherbet actually stays fresh in the refrigerator for about two days and uh, Indian Jews make this sherbet because as I said kosher wine is unavailable so after the break we will go to another recipe I think a lovely chicken recipe and that will be after the break Hashtag you don't have to be Jewish. And welcome back to the Essen Fresh and Trump. Sharon Lurie, the kosher butcher's wife, and I am sharing some lovely curry Indian recipes with you. So this dish that I'm about to share with you is, as Esther says in a book, is a dish very often found at Indian parties, notably at wedding feasts. And this is because... It is cheap to produce and goes well with the other great filler uppers such as rice or roti. And if you've never cooked Indian before, this is probably the best dish to start with. It is one kilo of minced meat, beef, 250 grams plus 250 grams. I don't worry, I will put this recipe up, but it's 250 grams of onions chopped and 250 grams of onions sliced. Then you'll have um, three cloves of garlic crushed plus another three cloves of garlic crushed because we need that for the sauce. Half a cup of chopped parsley, very important, an egg to bind, two teaspoons of salt, one teaspoon chili powder, 
one teaspoon ground black pepper, one teaspoon cumin seeds powder, two teaspoons garam masala, two teaspoons paprika, one teaspoon turmeric, and two teaspoons finely grated fresh ginger. Okay, and to that we add one cup of either coconut or cashew nut yogurt. So for the Jewish people from Kochi, this is a wonderful recipe. And what they do is they take the mince, you add to that the fresh 250 grams of the fresh onions, which I prefer to grate them, but you can chop them finely, and three cloves of the fresh garlic, quarter cup of parsley, an egg, the two teaspoons of salt, the chili powder, you add it all to the mince, the turmeric, and the two teaspoons of fresh ginger, and the coconut milk is what you're going to, you're going to fry the other onions, the 250 grams of sliced onions, fry that until it's a little brown, and then you're going to add the coconut milk, and you're going to add a teaspoon of the chili powder. And just fry the meatballs, and then make up the sauce, which is quite easy. It's just the coconut and the coconut yogurt. In a small pot, I would fry it, uh, with the onions and some more garlic and the the uh, chili powder. And then all you do is when, once the um, meatballs have been fried, you just add that sauce over it. So it's actually a saucy kind of um, minced meatball. And you can serve that with rice. You can serve that in your roti, rolled up, almost like a falafel. <laughs> And you can add whatever you feel like to that. If you're going to have, if you're going to put it in roti, then I would add some acha, some lovely um, uh, condiments such as your chutneys. In fact, Woolworths have brought out a wonderful range of chutneys. So go along to Woolworths and get your range of chutneys to add to your curries. Well, that's about it for the show. I hope that you enjoyed it. And um, I'm wrapping up now, and thank you for joining me, and hopefully see you in two weeks' time.